Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. The name of this book is... Oh, this yawning girl. She's already yawning, you guys, and we haven't even started. Okay, so this book ends a little... Because it's 10 o'clock, Mom. Dude, honestly, you guys, we can't keep up up with French people. They just never sleep. They're up all night. And they don't eat dinner until like 9, 9.30. I'm dying. Like, ugh. I got stomach aches. I can't eat this late. I can't eat this much. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna gain weight. Shiza. Cause it's like everybody eats so late, and it's too much on my stomach. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, ready? My, I feel like my eyes like are like. <laughs> my eyes are literally making. Oh my goodness. My eyes hurt. Dude. I'm tired. I'm going to bed after this. Peyton's already falling asleep, basically standing up talking. We're sitting in her treehouse bed. It's awesome. She's figuring out what she's going to bring to school for show and tell. She was going to bring a stuffy, but I told her if she wanted to, I could bring our one of our tarantulas. What do you guys think she should do? I think I should bring my stuffed animal that, that I've had since I was a baby. And he... Ha- I don't know, should I bring the pink one? The pink bunny that doesn't flop around or the brown one, the white brown one that like flops around? Or should she let me come to her school and bring a tarantula? What do you think? Yeah, comment. You can do that with a review if you want to. Just let us know what you think because I'm voting tarantula. I think stuffed animals you know how many kids are going to bring stuffed animals that is the most boring show and tell item to bring no because you get to play with it I don't get to play with the spider listen you can also put it in your backpack and then I'll bring the spider (gasps) can I have two inch shifts I mean I don't know I don't know how the rules go but we gotta get to this I mean it was my idea no it was my idea to do this okay listen name of this book is secret this book is weird it's spooky it goes backwards the end of this book is chapter zero. Look at that. This is weird. All right, let's get to it. This is the last chapter. It keeps saying it's the last chapter, but it has like a extra stuff. <laughs> Come on. All right, well, I have a feeling that they're just gonna keep tricking us. So let's hear it. Okay, chapter zero. No, that last chapter wasn't really the last chapter. Don't feel bad if you put a lot of work into it. The work wasn't wasted. Many important things happened in that last chapter. At least I think so. Okay, you can't yawn because you can't do that. I it's didn't. gonna make me yawn. Oh my gosh. I'll tell you what. If you're that angry, just push the book aside and forget all about this chapter, and all about Cass and Max Ernest, and all about the secret, and all about me too. Good riddance, right? No. You want to keep reading? Okay. How's this for compromise? Why not think of your chapter, chapter 32, as the last chapter? As for this chapter, we'll make it chapter zero. 
If anyone asks, it doesn't exist. It's the nothing chapter. It's the unchapter. It simply doesn't count. And we won't call it the ending either. That grand title will leave for your chapter. This because chapter will like call the, the, den the denouement. I don't know what that word means. Oh my God, I think I need to go back to college, you guys. One dictionary defines denouement as a final part in which everything is made clear. Where's my other phone? Do you guys want me to look this word up? Hold on. Pause. I'm looking this word up. All right. We've got it. Hold on. Let me, let me grab my microphone. Let's hear it. Denouement. Oh, I would have never got that. Denouement. Let's hear it again. Denouement. Denouement. Okay, now it's like per leaving the front out. It's denouement. Okay. Would have never guessed that. All right. In the dictionary, it defines denouement as a final part in which everything is made clear and no questions or surprises remain. By that definition, it is exactly the wrong word to describe this chapter. This chapter will make nothing clear. It will raise many questions and it even may contain a surprise or two. But I say we call it a denouement anyways, because the word sounds so sophisticated and, and French, which is interesting because we've been eating French all week, right? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. You see, there was one more occurrence in the lives of our two heroes that I must relay before we are finished. And this occurrence, I doubt will give you what people call a sense of closure. If you're anything like me, and I fear you are if you're reading this far, you'll find it more maddening than anything else. My intent is not to torture you. I want merely to show you that there is a large picture that our story doesn't begin and end with this book or with Cass and Max Ernest or with even you and me. One rainy Wednesday afternoon, not very long after her experience at the midnight sun, but long enough so she'd already grown extremely tired of trying to convince people that her experiences were real. Cass was sitting upstairs at the firehouse, having tea with Grandpa Larry, just as she had done every Wednesday for years. This time, however, they were not alone. Much to the delight of Grandpa Larry, who loved nothing more than a fresh audience for his stories, their Wednesday ritual had recently grown to include Cass's new friend, Max Ernest, and a special guest today, Benjamin Blake. This week's tea was Earl Grey, a tea that Benjamin insisted was incorrectly named because it tasted t pale blue. Benjamin had a similar complaint about orange pico, a tea that he said tasted olive green. Green tea, on the other hand, was not green but bright yellow. Grandpa Larry tried to explain that Earl Grey was not its the name for its color, but for Charles Grey, the second Earl Grey also known as a Viscount Howick. Man, you guys, my reading skills of names and French words are very, very less than mediocre. I apologize. So Grandpa Larry gamely switched topics and started to relate an old and gratifying bloody Chinese legend about the origin of tea. It was then that they heard Sebastian barking downstairs. A customer had arrived. It's Gloria. I'll be back. Grandpa Wayne shouted from below. As always, Gloria had arrived at the fire station with a big, big box of stuff. 
The kids waited impatiently as Grandpa Larry carried them in for her. Gloria, this is Max, Ernest, and Benjamin. And you remember Cass, said Grandpa Larry, after he finally found a space to put the box down. I think so, said Gloria. Wasn't she here last time? Cass waited for more, but Gloria only smiled in a vague sort of way, as if Gloria barely remembered her. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we saw each other at the Midnight Sun, too, Cass prompted, in case Gloria thought Cass didn't want her to mention it. The Midnight Sun? You mean the spa? Gloria seemed genuinely surprised. You must be thinking of someone else, she said. I took a terrible fall right before I was supposed to go, Ask Larry. He'll tell you. I spent the week in the hospital. They thought I might have had amnesia. It, it was just like, it was just like days of our lives. But how was it? I'm dying to hear. I didn't know they allowed children. Cass looked closely at Gloria, expecting some secret communication, a threatening glance, or a sly wink. But Gloria's face was blank. Either she thought she was telling the truth, or she was a very good actor. Um, it was okay, said Cass slowly, but it's not really there now. It isn't? Gloria asked, confused. What do you mean? Cass, will you please put Sebastian outside? He's about to chew, chew this box apart, Grandpa Larry broke in before Cass could answer. It's so weird, said Cass, as she tied Sebastian to a post in the back of the fire station. It's like I dreamed the whole thing. The spa, Miss Mavius, everything. Well, you didn't. And if you ask, and if you did, how come I dreamt it too? Max Ernest protested. Unless we had the same kind of Vulcan-minded melt. Or wait, I know. Maybe we're two split personalities in a, psycho, in a schizophrenic brain. That would explain everything. I didn't mean I really thought I dreamt it. I just feel like that, said Cass, cutting him off. Even though Max Ernest had supposedly been cured, he still had a tendency to go go on and on if you didn't stop him. Benjamin, who'd been silently struggling to follow the conversation, mumbled something and pointed backwards toward the fire station. He said to be quiet and listen. He thinks he might be important, Max Ernest translated. Inside, Gloria was telling Larry a story. As loud as she was, they could only make out about half of her words. <laughs> Never so surprised in all my life, the gardener, and here I was trying to show the house. As she listened, Cass grew ex increasingly excited. She's talking about the magician's house. You think we discovered something? They weren't able to pose this question to Gloria immediately because Benjamin Blake's mother had arrived to pick him up. But as soon as he'd gone... Cass and Max Ernest begged Gloria to start her story over from the beginning. She didn't understand why they cared so much, but she was happy to oblige. Gloria had lost her memory, not her love for attention. The story went like this. Gloria had been showing the magician's house on some prospective buyers when some, some at some times happens an awkward moment nature called and she had to excuse herself to go freshen up just as she was about to enter the bathroom the bathroom door opened and an old man in a straw hat stepped out carrying a box needless to say gloria had a heart attack very calmly as if he'd 
been expecting her. He explained that he was the gardener and the one who first reported the magician's disappearance. And that he was just cleaning up the magician's study. He pointed out that she had missed some things that she, when she packed the house. He asked Gloria if she would mind taking the box that he was holding to the fire station. The Estectation de Bomberos, he called it. Gloria was so flustered that she agreed right away. Only after she'd left the house. Oh my gosh, it's Pietro. Peyton. Oh, she's already asleep. Peyton. Pietro's awake. I mean, alive. Only after she'd left the house did Gloria start to wonder how he knew about Estiacin de Bomberos in the first place. And there you have it, said Gloria, patting the big box that she had brought in. That's the whole shebang. Well, I have to say, you're none the worse for the experience, but you look fabulous, said Grandpa Larry, looking at the newly svelte real estate agent. Doesn't she, Wayne? He called out to Grandpa Wayne, who was standing in the back of the store, tinkering furiously with an old record player. Fabulous, Wayne agreed, not looking up. That's what everybody's saying, said Gloria, wonderingly. Ever since that fall, you know, I can't help thinking that someone must have hypnotized me while I was unconscious. It's almost like I really went to that spa instead of the hospital. Ah, oh, that crazy lunatic did. After Gloria left, Grandpa Larry let Sebastian back in. Grandpa Wayne reemerged and turned into the record player. Turned out the record player wasn't so desperately in need of fixing after all, and one dog. And everyone, dog included, went upstairs to have more tea and to look through the box the gardener had sent. Immediately taking charge, Cass opened the box with a kitchen knife, insisting that she get to handle everything in the box before anyone else. She could tell her grandfather. Her grandfather thought her behavior as a little selfish, but they didn't have anything to say, probably because they didn't want to re reprimand her in front of Max Ernest. The box was filled to capacity with small items covered in newspaper. Cass eagerly unwrapped them, inspecting each one for clues and secret messages. The more things that she inspected, the clearer it became that there were no clues to be found. The box contained only dishware, plates and bowls and cups. Cass was crushed. She'd been predicting or at least hoping something. Something she hadn't mentioned to her grandfathers or even to Max Ernest. Something about the magician's gardener, but now it appeared she'd been wrong. The gardener was exactly who he said he was. The box of old stuff was more than a box of old stuff. Her grandfathers, on the other hand, couldn't get, couldn't get over their good luck. Can you believe that somebody's getting rid of this? Asked Grandpa Larry, holding up a pastel plate. Do you know what Russell Wright goes for these days? Taking a few sample dishes, Larry and Wayne ran downstairs to check them against the pictures and the books that they had. Mm -hmm. Cass knew that they would be at this for hours. The gardener couldn't have chosen a better thing to send if he'd intentionally set out to give her grandfather's most distracting items possible. So what do you want to do now? Because I sort of have homework, said Cass to Max Ernest. She didn't really have to do homework, but she wasn't much in the mood for company anymore. I don't know. 
Hey, what's he smelling? He asked Max Ernest. There's nothing left in there. Cass followed Max Ernest's eyes over to Sebastian, who was sniffing an empty box and wagging his tail. There's probably just some kibble underneath there or something, Cass said, refusing to be very interested. Still, she picked up the box and peeked underneath. Nothing. Nonetheless, there was something unusual about that box. What's this made of? Why is it so heavy? She asked, shaking in her hands. She put the box back down and looked inside, and then looked at the outside, then looked back at the inside again. This time, she reached down and started pulling up the cardboard. The box had a false bottom. Hidden beneath the cardboard were two packages wrapped in paper tied with string. The larger pa package was addressed to Cass, the smaller to Max Ernest. In, more sober, in a more sober moment, Cass might have reflected on a, the dangers of opening an unexpected package from a total stranger. This was not a sober moment, however. She and Max Ernest both tore open their packages at once. Fortunately, the packages did not contain explosives, and they were not even booby-trapped. Cass, Cass's contained a backpack. I wish I could describe the way the backpack looked, but there's a very good chance that it's still carrying she's still carrying it these this day and I don't want to give you any more ways to identify her than I already have at any rate it wasn't the backpack's appearance that made it special in fact when Cass saw it at first she was almost disappointed <gasps> we said that it looked so normal inside there was that was another story the backpack was filled from top to bottom with state-of-the-art survival gear all very compact and lightweight and built to withstand the hardest use in the hard chest conditions the backpack's most uh, the backpack's features that she didn't notice until the backpack was empty these were the things that the pack back, backpack did as opposite to the things that it contained for instance if you put a cord on a parachute it popped out if you pulled another cord, the shoulder straps inflated and the backpack became an a flotation vest. If you turn the backpack inside out and unzipped it all the way around, it expanded into a full-size tent. Cass knew her mother would not would uh, would be unhappy with Cass wearing a backpack again. Lately, her mother had been trying to get her to carry a shoulder bag, but Cass had a feeling that this was a backpack she would never want to take off. Max Ernest's package was also disappointing when he first opened it. It contained what looked like a familiar handheld device, a kind of device that you see every day and not even very special version, but it only took Max Ernest a few seconds to discover that the device wasn't what it looked like at all. It didn't even accept any game cartridges. Oops, I mean I gave that away. What? what it was disguised as it had a false front that lifted up at the touch of a hidden button underneath with a small tablet style computer scanner specially designed for cracking codes oh cracking secret codes the ultra doodle decoder 2 max Ernest would learn that after experimenting for a while the decoder included keys for decrypting all unknown code systems 
and tools for deciphering unknown ones. Its memory contained a full dictionary and characters recognition software for all over a thousand languages, including Aramaic, Sanskrit, and Naveo. It could even read Egyptian hieroglyphs. One thing that the decoder did not do was tell jokes. Max Ernest loved it anyways. Are you guys okay up there? Called Grandpa Larry. Yeah, we're fine. Cass yelled back. They were, uh, they were ready to hide their backpacks if Larry came upstairs, but apparently he and Wayne had yet to finish researching their new dishes. A moment later, Max Ernest was busy translating the word fart into every language that he could think of. Someone had to told him that fart works were someone had told him that fart jokes were funny. And Cass was taking a second to look at her flashlight. Not only a flashlight, it turned out, but a warning siren. <sighs> a tracking device and a two-way radio. I just lost my place, sorry you guys. And a two-way radio. Boopity-boppity-boop. Oh. Uh, between the rain and the steam from the tea, the kitchen windows had fogged up to the point where you could no longer see through it. Whenever the light passed across the glass, thousands of tiny droplets would briefly illuminate and then disappear. This must have happened a half a dozen times before Max Ernest looked up from studying the decoder and saw it. Look, he said. But then the light had passed again. He had trouble getting Cass to aim her flashlight again. And then again, right just at the right point, but eventually she hit the spot. And now Cass could see it too. Someone had written a message on the glass, just as anyone might say, sitting on the bus next to a foggy window. But this message was not scribbled with a finger. Rather, it looked like someone had used a kind of fine writing instrument. And it didn't look anything like a Joe was here or Terry plus Samantha equals love. Actually, it didn't look like it was even written in English. It was written in code. By the time that they started deciphering the message, the fog was disappearing from the window and the message disappeared with it. Max Ernest grabbed a notepad and pencil from the kitchen counter and he scribbled on a kind of durlium, the kind of only, that only comes with the comes when you've eaten too much Halloween candy or when you're trying to transcribe a secret message before it vanishes forever. Max Ernest held up the page so as soon as he'd finished copying the letters. Here is the first line of what exactly appeared on the window. C-S-T-O-R-T-P-P-T-K-C-O-T-T-K-C-J-T-X-S-O-K-S-P-Q-E-A-R-N-E. Okay, well, E... Okay, well, Max Ernest is the last. Oh, it says Cass something Max Ernest. For several minutes, the kids studied the mixed letters with increasing frustration. Then Max Ernest looked and smiled. What does JX-SOKSPQ look like? Cass shrugged. She had no idea. Oh, come on. I could figure that out just by looking at it, you guys. They already know what it is. Well, if X was X, like really the letter X, even in code, what's your name? Max Ernest, said Cass. 
Right, but how about that? Which means J equals M and T equals A and S is E and O is R and K is N and P is S and Q is T. Using Grandpa Larry's red pen, Larry had a lot of them from the day he used to, from the days he taught school. Max Ernest wrote the words in the in the first line of the message, subscribing letters according to the formula they had just worked out. This is what it came to. Clear. No, that's not right. Clear, Rasanka, and Max Ernest. It's Cassandra and Max Ernest or something like that. C-A-S-S-A-N-G. Yeah, Cass something Cassandra and Max. Oh, dear. Duh. Dear Cassandra and Max Ernest, read Cass, filling in the blank. Sorry, you guys, I'm trying to figure this out when I could just be reading. It's a letter to us. Hey, didn't you use, shouldn't you be using your decoder? It was almost too simple of a code for a decoder. Having gotten so far, Max Ernest could have decoded the rest of the message himself, but it would have taken him much longer. The decoder did the job in less than a second. He also told them that the code, the code's keyword was tersis. Tersis? What's that mean? Asked Max Ernest. I don't even think it's a word. In recognition of your bravery and unique talents, I hereby invite you to become members of the Tersus Society and to enlist in our fight against the masters of the Midnight Sun. Understand this. Once you swear to the oath of Tersus, your lives, they will never be the same. You will face hazards and hardship, and you, will you must obey all of the orders without the questions. If you accept to join our noble cause, leave a blank 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 in this window next Wednesday the man you call Owen he will find you and take you to us in the meantime please watch carefully the boy Benjamin he is more valuable than you even know I beg for you to join us without you I fear we will not succeed I am sure I do not have to tell you speak to no one about this letter for you have now entered yourselves into the circle of the secret and anyone who knows about the secret their lives are in grave danger. With the greatest admiration and respect, PB, he is alive. Okay, holy mother of God, that is the end of the book. So the next book is called book number two. If you're reading this, it's too late. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Okay, guys, the book is over. Meeting adjourned. Peyton's asleep. She's ditched us. But you know what? In her defense, it is 10.59. It's almost 11 o'clock at night. And this poor little muffin boo, she needs her beauty sleep. Anyways, we are going to start book two tomorrow. I'm so excited. Okay, bye.